morning and win today. Once again, you are all welcome to the presence of God in Jesus' name. I believe you would agree with me that the environments we are in here today is an environment that encourages one to pray. Would you agree with me? Everything about this beautiful faith resort that God has given to Prophet T.B. Joshua is designed to inspire your spiritual life, to bring you to a point of reflection on your life, and to encourage you to pray. So let me quickly ask you right now, who here has prayed today? If you have prayed today, just help me raise your hands. Glory be to God. And I believe our viewers at home, you are raising your hands as well if you prayed today. Now, I want to just ask one or two people, if you don't mind, could someone tell me what you prayed for today? If you, if you would like to share with us for the glory of God, Anyone? Okay, our father here would like to say what he prayed for today. My name's uh, N.C. Christine. That's Nadishuke Christine. I pray for the progress of the entire people of God that are assembled in this vicinity for God to answer our prayers from the bottom of our house. Amen. Let's put our hands together for Jesus. <laughs> we thank God. Our brother, he said he included everyone here in his prayers today. We thank God for that. Anyone else? Anyone else would like to share with us what you prayed for today? I want to see a sister as well. We just listened to a brother. Any female? Oh, okay. Over here. Thank you. My name is Veronica Ntui. As I came in here, I saw the marvelous things that God has used our daddy to do for mankind. I pray that God should bless him and his family. And God should help us that are here to heal us from all our sicknesses. In Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Thank you very much. Let's clap for our sister. For our mother. Let's just hear from one more person. Anyone else? We're hearing some different response. Let's go over this side to our, our brother there. You know, the reason I'm asking this question is that, you know, Prophet T.B. Joshua says that prayer is often a wonderful revealer of our hearts. So today's message will be concentrated on this subject. But let's, let's listen to our brother's response now. What you prayed for today, sir. Emmanuel. This morning around 4 o'clock, I have to wake up and open the Bible. And I read 1 Kings chapter 5, where Naaman desired a salvation. And a letter was given unto the king, and the king said, Am I a God? And when the Naaman heard it from the, from the prophet, he was offended. And the servant of the prophet said, if my master have given you labor like this, will you be offended? And you obeyed it. Immediately I come into this arena. Oh my, oh my. Our prayers are answered. That is my prayer. Say our prayers are answered. Amen. Let's clap for our brother. 
So I, I hope we understand the, the points I believe he's trying to raise there. The scripture that he read, you know, in that scripture, the, Naaman was expecting the answer to come in a particular way. But the instruction he received was not what he expected, and that led to offense. But by the time he let go of the offense, we know the miracle that happened. So sometimes the way and manner God will perform that miracle in your life is a way you don't expect. But one thing is clear. As you've stepped your feet in here today, your past is over. Hallelujah. Now, I want to, to, as I mentioned, talk about this subject today because prayer is often a wonderful revealer of the heart. And we know that true Christianity lies in the heart, in the purity of the heart. Now, we, we talked about the prayers that have been offered today. And why do we pray? We pray because the duty of prayer lies in the sufficiency of God as our Redeemer, our Creator, our Savior. The duty of prayer lies in the sufficiency of God. What does that mean to me and you? God has all we need. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor, say neighbor, God has all you need. That's why we pray to him. He has all we need. Look, there is no need you have today God cannot meet. There is no problem. No matter how big that problem may seem, there is no problem God cannot solve. There is no burden he cannot bear. There's no mountain he cannot move. There is no sickness he cannot heal. That is our God. The duty of prayer lies in the sufficiency of God. But today... Sadly, many of us dare to enter into the presence of God and begin to instruct him in the way he should go. I'm sick, you must heal me now. I'm poor, you must bless me now. I have trouble in my marriage, my family, I need reconciliation now. We, we, we enter the presence of God and begin to instruct God in the way he should go. We, we, we enter the lights of his purity, the fire of his holiness. And instruct him. I hope you understand what I'm saying, brethren. I'm talking about our approach to God in prayer. We must remember that our relationship with God is founded upon his mercy, God's mercy. Our relationship with God is founded upon his mercy. What do I mean? 
God is absolutely holy. He is absolutely holy. And what we consider as, as, as our good works, oh, I was born in a Christian home. Maybe you say, I've, I'm an Emmanuel TV partner. I help people. I do works of charity. I pray. I fast. I have knowledge of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. These are all good things. But the Bible says our good works, what we look at as good works, are like filthy rags before God. Isaiah 64 verse 6. What we consider our righteousness, our good works, are like filthy rags before him. In other words, when we understand how undeserving we are to be in his presence, we would not begin to instruct God, command God in the way he should go. Rather, we would ask for his mercy so that we do not receive the judgments we truly deserve. Say after me, son of David, have mercy on me. Say after me, son of David, have mercy on me. How many of us have offered that prayer today? If you mean it, when I say mean it, I mean with all your hearts. If you mean it, this can be a life-changing prayer. If you mean it with all your hearts, this can be a soul-saving, life-changing prayer. Like Peter in Luke 5 verse 8. Like Blind Bartimaeus in Mark 10 verse 46, like the Canaanite woman in Matthew 15 verse 22, son of David, have mercy on me. And this will bring us to the title of today's message, life-changing prayer. Tell your neighbor, life-changing prayer. Tell your other neighbor, life-changing prayer. Now, I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 18. And we're going to read a parable from our Lord Jesus Christ. I'll start from verse 9. And this is a very good example of a life-changing prayer. So let's, let's, let's read from verse 9. It says this, To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and give a tenth of all I get. Verse 13. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beats his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, 
a sinner. Verse 14 in the last verse. I tell you, said Jesus, that this man rather than the other went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now, I want to look first of all at the reaction of the the Pharisee, the, the prayer that he offered. The Pharisee behaved as if he was deserving of blessings. That's why he began to count what he did for God instead of counting what God did for him. He begins to, 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 to say, you can read it there again. He began to say, uh, Lord, I thank you. I'm not like these other people. He said, I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. I'm a partner in the ministry I'm part of. I'm even a worker in the church. I have responsibility in the house of God. I've stopped smoking. I've stopped drinking. I've stopped lying. I've done all of these things. These qualify me to receive answers from you. And we may look at this scripture and examine ourselves and say, well, I don't pray like that. I don't come before God and say that uh, I've done this, I've done that. But remember, we may read the language of the lips, but God understands the language of the hearts. For many today, for so many today, our attitude is similar to that of this Pharisee. What do I mean? What do I mean? Many of us today see whatever we do for God as a bargain to get what we want from God. But let me put it in another way. Many of us today see whatever we do for God as a sacrifice to manipulate him into giving approval to our selfish desires. I'll I'll repeat it once again, brethren. Many of us today see what we do for God. I give offering in my church. I pay my tithe. I'm a worker in the house of God. I'm a partner. I pray, I fast. We, we see what we do for God as a sacrifice to manipulate him into giving approval to our selfish motives, our selfish desires. And how do we know such people? It's not just by the language of the prayers. It's by our attitude and reaction. For example, you will realize it is common today to see people begin to complain, grumble, murmur, laments when they pray and the answers to their prayers seem to delay in coming. You see people today begin to to look at God in a 
God lights. Because they prayed for something and the answer to their prayer seemed to delay in coming. And you begin to count what you have done for God. How many years I've been serving in the church. I was born into a Christian home. I have knowledge of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Because we see what we have done for God as a bargaining chip to get what we want from God, we set ourselves up for disappointments. We set ourselves up for offense. Little things can offend such people. Like, for example, we're here today. You may not say it with your mouth, but some people, their hearts have harbored offense over an insignificant thing. You say, I came here first in the morning, but this guy came here after me and he was put in the front. You may not say it, but God understands the language of the hearts. What you are indirectly saying is that you are deserving of that blessing. And in things of the Spirit, we are all undeserving. Or you'll see someone that will say, I've been an Emmanuel TV partner for the last five years, six years. This person was a partner just for one month and they were invited even before me. <laughs> you may not say it with your mouth, but God looks at the heart. What we are indirectly saying is as if we are deserving of that blessing. As if we've earned it. As if we've bargained with God. Had a transaction with God to receive it. Just last week, as the man of God, Prophet T.B. Joshua, was praying for people. He had finished praying for this section. A gentleman came up to me and said, can the man of God pray for me again? He didn't do it very well. Because maybe he was expecting when the man of God prayed for him, he wanted to fall down or start rolling or start vibrating. And others, he saw it happen. It didn't happen to him. He thought maybe he did not pray for me very well. Can they put me again? Because we have the impression that we deserve it. Whereas everything you receive here is by grace. If God consulted our past none of us would be here today. If we receive the judgment we truly deserved, none of us would be here today. I hope you understand what I'm saying, brethren. In our approach to God, we must understand how undeserving we are of his presence. Because God wants to answer our prayers. It's the mind of God to answer our prayers. But so often, we ask for the wrong thing. And we miss the real need of our hearts. Our prayer usually is concentrated on the needs of our flesh. breakthrough in my work. I need promotion. God knows your needs. He will provide for them in his time and in his way. But when you approach God, you must recognize how undeserving you are of his presence. 
and not come and begin to instruct God in the way he should go. You cannot lay claim to God's promises because you have been a faithful member of your church for many years. You cannot lay claim to God's promises because you are an Emmanuel TV partner or because you are a fervent prayer warrior, because you fast or because you were born into a Christian home or because you work in the house of God. You cannot lay claim to God's promises because of this. There is only one legal basis for your claim. The blood Jesus Christ shed on the cross of Calvary. Being a Christian is not about what you do. It's about what Christ has done. He died for us. He reigns in power for us. He is still praying for us. The very foundation for receiving answers to your prayer is to base your faith on the fact that Jesus died to provide what you are asking for. What am I saying, brethren? It's not the work we have done. It's not the prayers, it's not the fasting, it's not the tithes or the offering or the support. These are all good, but that does not qualify you for the blessing you are here to receive today. It was the blood Jesus shed on the cross. Therefore, let us approach God with a humble, dependent, and unpretentious attitude of the heart. As I bring this message to a conclusion, I want to remind you of something Prophet T.B. Joshua said. He said this, those who are conscious that they deserve nothing would be thankful for anything. What do I mean? Those who are not expecting anything will be thankful for anything, but behaving as if we are deserving of blessing, sets us up for disappointments. Because when the answer does not come in the way we expect, we use the language of disappointments, which is to begin to complain. Why is God blessing this man and not me? Whereas you don't know, your time is coming. Why, why is God favoring this man and not me? You don't know God is preserving you from imminent danger. Why is God healing this man and not me? You don't know that God may allow that situation for a while to prepare you for greater challenges ahead. But we use the language of disappointment and begin to complain, compare ourselves with others, murmur, grumble, because our behavior suggests we are deserving of that blessing. Son of David, have mercy. This can be a life-changing, soul-saving prayer.
Because blind Bartimaeus needed healing, but he cried for mercy and he received his healing. The Canaanite woman needed deliverance for her daughter, but she cried for mercy. And in God's mercy, deliverance was included. Healing was included. Blessing was included. I want to assure you, brethren, today, in God's mercy, you are not excluded. Recognize how undeserving you are in his presence and in his time, in God's appointed time, your personal efforts will not be required. May God bless his word in our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us rise up on our feet and worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. Hallelujah. Let us lift up our hands. Let us lift up our hands in worship. He knows my name. He knows my every thought. He sees his tears. If you believe that the Lord knows your name, He knows your thoughts, lift up your hands and say, He knows. He, he knows, knows my reason. He knows the reason why you are standing here today because He sees. He sees each your name say he knows my every thoughts come on let's sit together he knows 